Welcome to episode 115 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Now, this is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're new around here, I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. Jam, and I already have a correction to make. This is not episode 115. This is episode 116. I'm going to go change my notes here. While I do that, let me tell you that we are an Overwatch podcast, and I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. Jam. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials, but especially over on Threads and over on Twitter, where you can follow me at Sir DRJM. You can, of course, also on Threads follow One Man Watchpoint. It's at One Man Watchpoint for all your Overwatch needs. Now, of course, you know that. So let's get on with the show. You can, of course, reach out to me over on any of those services where you can tweet at me or thread at me, sew at me, whatever you want to call it, um, with questions, comments, concerns, topics, discussion, whatever you want, and I'll bring it to the show. Of course, if you do leave us a review on all your favorite podcast services out there, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., then leave us that review, and of course, we will read it out on the show. Tell your friends and just spread the good word. And of course, if you enjoy what you hear today on One Man Watchpoint, you can also catch me over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. Now, Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant around the Overwatch League. Of course, over on Ready, Set, Pwn, I have my two co-hosts who run the show, and I'm just there for the occasional commentary and dynamite drop-in. Um, now, I actually missed our most recent episodes. Apologies to them, but I had family stuff going on. So, I did bail on them for the most recent episode, but normally it is the three of us as we talk everything Canadian Overwatch League action. We've also had some guest interviews over there, so I definitely encourage you to go check out Ready, Set, Pwn, and you can find all of our guest spots over there. Now, enough of all that. I think we've got a bit of a show to get into here. We've got some matches to cover, as, of course, we do return to Overwatch League action uh, starting this week. So let's dive on in. Select your hero. All right. So to kick things off here, we've, of course, got a bit of a PSA. In fact, we've got two different PSAs to cover. The first one being free Battle Pass tier skips. That's right. For watching a total of 10 hours of Twitch with, of course, uh, participating streamers, you can earn Battle Pass tier skips in Overwatch 2. I believe it totals out to one tier skip every two hours so of course you got to watch for 10 hours to accumulate all five tier skips it does max out at five but nevertheless it's always helpful to have these little tidbits of uh extra boost uh to you know help you continue on with the battle pass as for for myself um i played a little bit more of the season towards the start of the season i've kind of fallen off recently um I've actually been, you know, going back to a, I believe it was a PS5 launch title or, or just about with, with Deathloop, of course, uh, made by Arcane, the uh, people who made the Dishonored series. I'm a big fan of the Dishonored series, but I never did get around to playing Deathloop. However, I am now and I've been enjoying that. Um, so I haven't been focusing on Overwatch too much, but uh, I will definitely get back to it. Um, now, the other thing that we've got to talk about in our PSA segment is... Um, 
is, of course, the fact that the Summer Games event is on now. This does include, of course, a limited time mode. We have the Winston's Beach Volleyball uh, mode going on right now. And, of course, we've got lots of Summer Event-themed skins and things that you can earn. I believe there's one for... Uh, Doomfist that you can earn for completing challenges in the uh, in the battle pass um, and of course I know there's others for some of the other characters as well that are available so definitely get in there get your summer games on and get earning those rewards now that we've covered all that let's head on in and talk about some news we're going to kick things off here by talking about of course Genesis part one dawn that's right the Overwatch anime short has officially dropped, or at least part one dropped last week, and you can find it on the Play Overwatch YouTube channel. It is, um, if I recall, about five minutes long. Uh, as I mentioned, it's called Genesis Part 1. Uh, Dawn is the sort of subtitle there. Now, that, of course, means that we've been about a week uh, into that episode being around. So we are coming up on Part 2 releasing. So Genesis Part 2 Innocence premieres, by the time you're listening to this today... July 13th at 9 a.m. PT. There's a very good chance by the time you're listening to this, it has already dropped. You may be listening to it shortly before it drops, however. So keep your eye out for that. Um, I know I'm excited to see it. I did check out part one. Uh, it was very good. You know, I really appreciate the quality behind it. Um, I also do think that in a lot of ways, um, it was just a, a very small tapas of, of, of you know, a, a very small tasting of, of what is to come and the potential that we could uh, see with Overwatch. It definitely wasn't anything too large. It wasn't too long. You know, like I say, it was about five minutes and that includes, you know, bookends of an intro and uh, a bit of an outro tease for the next part. Um, but nonetheless, the quality was certainly there. However, I think we would all like to see them really kind of take this and run. I'm hopeful that these, you know, three parts are I think I talked about this last week, but are kind of building to something bigger. Maybe it's kind of a testing ground for them to say, okay, let's see how many views we can get on this. Uh, let's, you know, let's see what exactly this, what kind of performance metrics this can do. And maybe that ultimately equates to something more down the line or, or at some point. Just checking the video here on uh, YouTube. It's been up for six days and it has 637,000 views. So realistically i mean hey if it's six days and six hundred thousand that's about a hundred thousand views a day that's not too bad really um you know hundred thousand views a day obviously it's gonna only gonna drop off from there i do see they have forty nine thousand thumbs ups so that ratio isn't you know isn't the best overall i you know i'd be shocked if anyone watched this and wasn't impressed with it or wasn't pleased with it like i say the only complaint is you know it's over before you know it i just pulled it up it is just over five minutes long, but again, it's got kind of bookends there. So, um, you know, hard to hard to say exactly, probably just under four minutes if we're being realistic. But I digress. It was a fun watch and uh, definitely an, an exciting to see them sort of explore this other avenue. Um, obviously, we saw a few familiar faces. You know, we saw Reinhardt very early on. Um I'm just jumping through right now. We saw, you know, they did this kind of interesting interview style um, where it was like they were interviewing people about what things were like, you know, just before uh, the Omnic explosion kind of thing. Um, and when I say that, I mean 
uh, Omnix really taking off uh, in terms of the the bad, um, you know, in in the video world or in the Overwatch world. This is exploring when they were, you know, a good thing realistically, and of course the invention of the first sort of autonomous uh, uh, robo Omnic as it were, and uh, the the person who was integral in that invention. So I won't say too much more. I mean, that's a pretty short recap of the whole thing. But again, it's only five minutes long. So it's, you know, realistically, it's not even that that long. Um, so they, they don't get into it too, too much. Again, it's an interesting presentation, but it is very much just an intro to it all. I really want more. So I'm excited for part two, uh, if that wasn't apparent already. Um, I would assume it'll be a similar length, but again, I'm hopeful that this is all building to something much greater. So that was our first news story. Let's move on here and we'll get to our second story and then uh, we'll talk about some patch notes and of course, finally, we'll bring it all together with some Overwatch League action. So this article comes from .esports.com by Max Michelli on July 11th and it reads, here are the Overwatch 2 Season 5 mid-cycle patch notes. Overwatch 2 Season 5 started off with a wide array of hero balance changes, some of which represented philosophical shifts for Blizzard's design, hero design team. And the game's mid-cycle patch released today and is poised to further shake up the game's meta with 10 different heroes getting tuned. In a Director's Take blog post at the end of June, Blizzard's Aaron Keller mentioned a number of changes that are on the horizon for the game, including hero balance changes set for the mid-cycle patch. The teaser included changes coming to Zenyatta's Orb of Discord, as well as buffs to Reinhardt and Orisa. Meanwhile, Blizzard is moving the emphasis away from Torbjorn and Symmetra's turrets. There's a lot to parse through as far as balance changes are concerned, especially for a mid-cycle patch. So without further ado, here are the Overwatch 2 Season 5 mid-cycle patch notes. For more information on some of the minor bug fixes in the patch, you can also check out Blizzard's official post. First, we have the tank group. So Orisa has gotten fortified damage reduction increased to 50%, up from 40. And the notes here say Orisa's viability in the current meta is often limited by her inability to handle compositions that include a lot of crowd control. The developers felt that buffing her fortify might help with that, but I'm not sure that the slight buff to a singular ability is all that she needs in order to be a dominant force. Now, the interesting thing about this is, of course, in today's uh, episode of Plat Chat, we know that uh, Dante was actually talking a little bit about um, Orisa, and he was in fact saying she's, you know, one more buff away from becoming a mainstay and just impossible to take down. So really kind of interesting that we see these these differences in the, you know, uh, top tier level play versus, uh, you know, the more mainstream and what the, the patches are tuning for, of course. Moving on from there. Ramatra, Ravenous Vortex Projectile, now passes through enemy heroes, but is still blocked by barriers. While this is a slight buff, Blizzard's dev notes refer to it as more of a quality of life improvement. It will just make it so players can have a bit more consistency when using the Ravenous Vortex. If I'm not mistaken, Ravenous Vortex is the uh, the sort of slowing and gravity ball that uh, Ramatra can throw out. Um, and as far as I understand, what it would have done previously, of course, is... Um, if it were to hit a hero, so let's say Winston jumps in against Ramatra, Ramatra would throw it, it would actually hit Winston's body, he could body block it, and it would go to the ground there, and then Winston could just move away from it, and the rest of the team never gets hit by it. Whereas now, if you are to throw it, it will actually pass through a Winston and land wherever, you know, it's it's going to land, which may be, you know, in your backline or whoever's behind the tank, unless, of course, Winston were to use his bubble, in which case it would still bounce off the bubble, just like intended. Same with, you know, other shields and things like that, so... 
again, I understand how they're saying that's more of a quality of life kind of seems like maybe that was always the intention. Um, I actually kind of like the idea that it could be body blocked. I do think that, uh, you know, this is, this is one of those quality of life things that I think they could be more consistent about. Um, same, you know, kind of along the same lines of something like Sombra and her hack. I would like these things to be sort of make sense across the board. Um, so what I mean is sort of what exactly does hack entail, right? What does it affect? It affects any mechanical operations. So in theory, that would mean that it basically <laughs> makes a lot of Bastion very useless, right? You hack, you can't, you know, change form. Um, I would... I would think there's easy ways around it with someone like Bastion because the logical thing to say is, well, Bastion just becomes completely useless. He can't even move uh, because he is a machine. But I think you could easily say, you know, doesn't affect his ability to simply walk or doesn't affect his uh, ability to simply fire, right? Because that is, you know, some form of other mechanics. I don't know. Um, but in any case, I like I think the hack should affect things like uh, Lucio because he's using you know uh, basically shoes that are mechanical that that give him the speed boost but then the other side of that is well Sojourn's entire legs are mechanical should she not be able to walk anyways this is not an issue for me to sort out um, I think this Ramatra thing is something that they could apply to other characters as well right what are physical objects that should not pass through a character or should pass through a character either they all do or none of them do kind of thing um, I'm sure there are lots that I haven't considered that would be affected by something like that. So anyways, I'm getting off track here. Let's continue. Reinhardt, barrier field, maximum health increased up to 1,400 from 1,200. With, hero with heroes like Ramatra and Sigma frequently getting picked over Reinhardt when a shield is required, the tried-and-true classic tank hero needed some kind of boost to its kit. Improving his shield is the least Blizzard could do to help improve his viability at higher levels of play, in my opinion. So that's in Max Michelli's opinion, of course. Um, again, another kind of interesting one. Feels a little like doing the bare minimum to make him viable, because I do think that, you know, Ramatra's kit and Sigma's kit, uh, especially with, with both of them having some form of projectile, really do outweigh what Reinhardt can bring to the table. Um especially, you know, given given current metas and what you're likely to be playing against if you are in a Reinhardt. But ultimately, you know, they wanted to do something to give him a little more utility. Wrecking Ball, quad cannon manual reload time reduced to 1.6 seconds down from 2. This does not affect automatic reload time when transformed into a ball. This is certainly a buff, but how substantive it is seems to be up to for debate. Most of the time, players just use the automatic reload from transforming into a ball anyway, so I'm not sure they'll make too much use of this. Again, seems like they're just kind of making some minimal tweaks to some characters to, you know, see if they really affect anything. I think these are kind of the kind of buffs that, you know, will just kind of get forgotten eventually. DPS. Railgun number of shots to reach maximum spread increased to 12, up from 8. Spread also reduced by 12%. The spread decrease will make Sojourn exceptionally lethal in the hands of higher level players. I'm not quite sure how much of an impact this could have on the overall competitive ladder meta, but it's certainly one of the most significant buffs in the patch. Um, I suppose that's true. It does mean that if you are very accurate with Sojourn, it's only going to get better for you. Um, but I mean, I, Sojourn isn't getting played a, a ton, ton at the very highest levels right now. Uh, certainly it is getting played a, a decent amount, um, you know, in, in my ranks and things like that. But again, you know, do people really have that pinpoint accuracy for this to mean all that much at my level? I don't think so. Soldier 76, heavy pulse rifle damage increased 
to 19, up from 18. Helix Rocket's explosion damage increased to 90, up from 80. Biotic Field healing per second increased to 40, up from 35. Keller didn't mention Soldier, Soldier sorry, in his dev take, so this set of buffs comes as a surprise to many, but the team is looking to bring back more reliability in his damage throughput. Quote, We'd like to avoid going all the way back up to 20 damage on his primary fire, since it has proven too powerful in the past, the dev notes said. So instead, we're adjusting both primary and secondary fire damage slightly. To me, again, this is a clear buff to Soldier. Um, you know, everything he's receiving here is positive for him. But I could easily see this being one that they roll back pretty quickly. Um, I don't think it's going to make him all that much more viable um, because there are still better picks, in particular Sombra and Tracer come to mind. But ultimately, I, see, I could easily see them rolling back uh, some of that Helix rocket damage. Um, it's, it's interesting to hear them say they don't want to go up to 20 damage for the primary fire because they know that that's too lethal. Um, but then I think the Helix Rocket buff is seems a little too substantive to me. Seems like they're probably going to roll that back to 85, if you ask me. And that's pure speculation. I have no basis for that. It just seems like a big jump. Next up, Symmetra. Photon Projector Secondary Fire Maximum Impact and Explosion Damage increased to 50, up from 45. Sentry turret damage per second reduced to 25, down from 40. Turrets now reveal enemy heroes to allies while being damaged and for one second afterward. The team seems to be looking to make heroes like Symmetra and Torbjorn less map dependent. While the two are often good as defenders on capture points where they can set up turrets at chokes, they're less useful generally. Changes to them are aimed at making them more versatile, but I think it might honestly just hinder their ability to be useful in situations where they can be dominant. Now, this is an interesting one because, um, again, Dante on Plat Chat was recently was, was talking about this today, and he was saying that the turrets basically give you sort of, uh, you and your team, momentary, uh, um, uh, whatever, the, the, the widow mine thing, where you can see through the walls, right? Uh, that's what that uh, sentry turret damages. As long as the turret damages someone, you can see the position of the enemy for one second afterward. Now, in terms of the highest level of play that's huge because then you know where your dive target is in a lot of cases you know where you need to go and where exactly these players are positioned so someone like a tracer could really zip around a corner knowing exactly where everyone is and you know pick someone off potentially um when it comes to levels of play that i'm in i don't think this is going to make much of a difference in fact i think it'll make symmetra a lot easier to take out because i think right now her strength does come from the turrets and most people that you see playing Symmetra are placing those turrets and getting picks from those turrets or getting building a ton of that initial damage off the turrets. So, Torbjorn, Rivet Gun Secondary Fire Spread reduced to 4.5 degrees, down from 5. Deploy Turret Damage reduced to 11, down from 14. Cooldown increased to 12, up from 10. Overload now reloads 6 ammo on use. The nerf to deploy turret doesn't seem to be as aggressive as the changes to sentry turret damage, and the update to overload will certainly make flankers think twice before trying to engage the magma spewing Swede. Um, I don't have too much to say about this one. Um, overload is, uh, um, you know, the, the the ability that speeds up Torbjorn basically. Um, so interesting that it now reloads for him. Um, you know, gives them a little bit of a boost there. That kind of makes sense. Uh, deploy turret damage coming down again. 
I, I understand they're, they're making Torbjorn's fire between the rivet gun and the deploy turret. They're making Torbjorn less reliant, or they're trying to make him less reliant on the turrets, just like they're trying to make Symmetra, in theory, less reliant on the uh, her turret's damage as well. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to have much of an effect uh, on Torbjorn, at least. Kiriko, healing Ofuda, recovery reduced to 0.9 seconds down from 1. This is a partial reversion of a previous change to allow Kiriko to have more responsiveness when she needs to focus on healing. The change is so minor that I'm not totally sure how it will be felt by players that don't main Kiriko, though, and I certainly don't think it puts her in the realm of Ana, who has dominated the role for a while now. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty minimal one. Zenyatta, Orb of Discord maximum range reduced to 30 meters down from 40. Time to wear off a target outside line of sight reduced to 1.5 seconds down from 2. As a Zenyatta main, I was wishing for the best and expecting the worst when Keller said Orb of Discord was getting a nerf, and I believe this is a best-case scenario. The ability is certainly slightly weaker, but it hasn't been nerfed into the ground by any stretch. So, I mean, I do agree with some of what Max is saying there, um, but ultimately the distance is what kind of gets me. Uh, the the line-of-sight portion, uh, I don't see as too big of a deal because, you know, for the most part, it is pretty easy to wipe uh, Orb of Discord, especially because frequently uh you know the maps allow you to break line of sight for a long enough that you can clear that um but the distance is the one that really gets me because it does make it so that zenyatta can't be as lethal as previous uh from such a far distance and also can't you know assist a character like a widow or something uh from as far away so that's where i think that's mostly going to be felt now that's pretty much it for the mid-cycle patch notes. Um, that patch drops to uh, yesterday, sorry, as of recording. I'm confusing which day I'm recording on. Um, so anyways, uh, things will be changing a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see what patch the Overwatch League is playing on. Of course, I don't know if they will be playing on this uh, this current iteration, or if they are one behind. In the past, they have mostly, uh, usually been at least one behind, but they also are no longer updating the game uh, with the mid-cycle patches in the Overwatch League. So that is where we're at there. Now let's head on over to Dexerto.com, this time with an article by Jeremy Gone posted on July 11th, which reads, Overwatch 2 Invasion in full effect as Null Sector ships appear on PvP maps. The mid-season patch for Overwatch 2 is here, and it has brought with it a plethora of changes and adjustments to the game. From various buffs and nerfs to popular heroes alongside the return of the Summer Games event, there's plenty for fans to enjoy. As Season 5 goes along, the devs are already gearing up for Season 6's long-awaited PvE launch with Invasion. Now teasing the highly anticipated debut directly in-game, Null Sector ships have appeared across various PvP maps. Although not included in the July 11th patch notes directly, players quickly noticed the addition of the Null Sector ships across various PvP maps as they appeared in the sky. They've then got uh, tweets embedded here from Overwatch Cavalry, that's at OW Cavalry. And of course, we can see the tweet reads, The Null Sector invasion of the future has begun! Command ships have been spotted above King's Row, New Queen Street, and Parisio in Overwatch 2. Invasion begins August 10th. So uh, they've got an image here looking up above King's Row. It's a tracer. They've got another one, a sojourn looking up above uh, the city in uh, New Queen Street. And then, of course, Lucio in Parisio. And you do see the giant null sector ships. They've also got ships spotted on Midtown and Coliseo. So they've got Soldier in the Midtown map and then uh, Junker Queen on uh, Coliseo looking up there. So interesting stuff. Uh, exciting to see this kind of uh ramping up and then the article continues below is a list of the maps which null sector ships have appeared thus far king's row new queen street parisio midtown coliseo 
Seeing the null sector ships in Parisot and New Queen Street perhaps should not be taken too surprising, as it was already revealed that the two that two of the three PVE missions will be taking place in Rio de Janeiro and Toronto, which is where those maps are based. However, with other maps also being invaded, it perhaps it could be teasing the more PVE missions locations yet to be revealed. The addition is obviously meant to build up hype for the upcoming Overwatch 2 invasion season, as the PVE game mode sees players go up against Null Sector. The first batch of story missions are set to serve as some additional world building to help progress the overall narrative of the Overwatch universe. As we get closer to Season 6's Invasion event, the devs are likely to add more teasers as we go along, as more patches are expected for the last few weeks of Season 5. So as you play your games, do keep a lookout for more references to the Invasion event. So there you go. Um, exciting to see them ramping up again. That's you know that's all that article really was meant to say was we're getting ready for season six. Um, of course, we've still got I believe about a month before season five is over. Um, I do want to get in there and get playing because uh, you know get that level forty five tracer skin just so they can see that their their plan is working um, to bring the mythic skin barrier a little little bit further down but in any case get in there get your uh you know get your battle pass tier skips that i talked about at the top of the show um check out the new uh null sector ships invading the maps and get ready for season six now we're gonna move on over and we're gonna talk a little bit of overwatch league action so first things first we have a number of changes coming here um I actually just want to check one thing here because I did see this, but I didn't actually uh, verify it. I saw it written on another run of show here. And I'm just scrolling through the Boston Uprising Twitter here to find out where where or when they announced that. There it is, new assistant coach. So let's get right in there. So the first thing I have on the list here is back on July 6th, the Boston Uprising added Kareev as an assistant coach. So exciting stuff there. I was a big Kareev fan when he was... Uh, when he was uh, still, you know, active in the league and everything like that. Um, he played with Toronto for a while there, of course. Um, and just generally speaking, I, I always enjoyed uh, enjoyed watching him play and pop off um, when he did and things like that. So good for him. Joining Boston, man. Boston, again, continues to just collect the, become the uh, the the over 40 league in in the Overwatch League or the over 40 organization in the league, I guess I should say, um, with all of these players who have, you know, storied histories and have been around the league for a long time. So in any case, exciting stuff. Uh, Kareev joining Boston as assistant coach. After that, we have London making a few cuts. Of course, they cut Sky Ripa and Lethal. So um, not something that was unforeseen. I think there was some talk about this. Um, I also think uh, Christopher, of course, head coach of the London Spitfire, did an interview with uh, Yiska of GG Recon recently, and I believe he actually talked about the fact that basically, you know, teams are cutting costs right now. Um, a lot of them are operating as slim as possible, and certainly London is not the only team that we're seeing this kind of thing happen with. So London cuts Sky Reaper and Lethal. Now, the thing about that is, of course, that they then also announced, well, Florida then announced that they cut Sauna, who despite seeing a little bit of playtime we hadn't seen a ton of action from um but shortly after that it was announced that london was of course adding sauna so sauna you know good to see that he's uh making the jump over to another team there um and not you know just being dropped from florida without really getting a chance to play um so you know it is what it is but 
exciting to see him getting to another chance with another team there. Um, the other thing about Sana as well um, is, of course, he is a European player, so nice to see him, you know, joining the European team, of course. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, actually, Christopher also talked about there um, that they were kind of, they were trying to make this rotation of DPS players work and they just weren't really finding it was working so that's why you know dropping two and only only getting one in return um, they want to have things a little more steady and a little more uh, consistent with their lineup so that is the London and Florida action now then we move to the NYXL of course New York Excelsior um, not doing too incredible in the standings of course so just like many other teams in this offseason or in this mid-season break sorry not offseason uh, making some changes. So NYXL cuts LEP and Halo. And then shortly after that, the NYXL announced they were adding OG. Of course, OG previously with the Toronto Defiant and previously let go from the Toronto Defiant. So a bit of an interesting shakeup there. Um, exciting to see that OG is getting another chance, of course. And certainly NYXL not looking like they are, they have that bad a roster. I think they really started to kind of find their stride. Um, and certainly NYXL, you know, in the first half of the season, playing a bit of that spoiler role. And certainly I think, you know, OG does add to that. So I'm excited to see what NYXL can bring to the table in this second half of the season. After that, we have a couple of big ones here. So first things first, let's start with all of the changes to the San Francisco Shock. So this just announced, uh, for the most part today, San Francisco first, although this was slightly out of order, cuts Hisang. So that's right, no longer Hisang on the DPS side of things. Cuts Vindame. They then announced that they're adding Probe, a hitscan player from uh, O2 Blast. They're adding Luke Mino on the support role from Vegas, which... I have no idea how this came out, came to be. And then adding Ranko, a support player pre previously with Redbird and uh, Illinois State. So really interesting uh, changes that San Francisco is making here. And certainly not something I think anyone really would have expected. Um, you know, we still have the Max Junbin on tank. We still have Proper on flex. And then, of course, we do still have Finn on the flex support as well with Luke Mino. Um, but just head scratchers nonetheless um i certainly think that the this is in a lot of ways san francisco sort of admitting that the o2 blast experiment did not work um or did not work to the degree they had hoped obviously we know san francisco struggled through the first half of the season um and i'm very very curious now to see how they do the funny thing about this is if it hadn't been luke mino if it had just been all the other players it would have been a bit of a okay interesting they're making some interesting changes with some names that you know maybe i'm not too personally too familiar with you know with probe and and ranko um but the luke mino pickup is such a head scratcher because of course he's coming from the vegas eternal where you know we all know the meme that vegas has become um so really interested to see what happens with san francisco here Aside from all that, there was another signing announced, not with San Francisco, this time with the Vancouver Titans. So, of course, after the last episode um, and and the talk of Aspire and everything what, that went down with him and him being kicked off the team, we knew that there would be an announcement coming for the Vancouver Titans, someone being signed uh, to fill that, that sort of gap. What we didn't expect was that it would be announced to be Hisang, who, of course, at the time we thought was still with the San Francisco shock. It was after the Titans announced he sank and signed with them that San Francisco announced that they had cut 
or they, you know, put out the thank you, uh, he sang tweet. So a bit of an interesting mix up there. Obviously the two teams weren't quite fully synced on everything, but he sang coming to the Vancouver Titans is certainly a move. Of course, he sang, we know shared a bit of a overlap in terms of his hero pool with proper. Um, and I think in, you know, in most cases or in a lot of cases, you're going to play proper over he sang. Um, but ultimately, Hisang also comes over and shares a lot of the same hero pool with Sugar Free. But I think this this could be really good. You know, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what exactly Vancouver's got cooking here. Um, I do really wonder, you know, how much... I don't want to say how much scouting was done here, but I want to know what the process was to get Hisang here. You have to figure if San Francisco was shopping him, there would have been other teams that were at least interested. Um, and I'm also curious what else Vancouver was looking at or who else Vancouver was looking at to really get an idea of, of who might've been on the table. You know, were they in talks with, or, or did they look at knife at all in the Vegas eternal? Um, was there any thought to sauna? You know, was it, was it known that sauna was being, you know, air quotes shopped around from the Florida mayhem or something like that? And then of course, outside of that, there's a whole host of, uh, North American contenders, players who they could have looked at. Um, we also know from the Toronto Define, of course, uh, in fact, the latest episode with Adam Adamu, of course, uh, interim CEO of Overactive Media, the parent company behind the Toronto Defiant, uh, who was recently on Ready, Set, Pwn, he mentioned that it's actually not incredibly difficult to get a uh, Canadian visa for a Korean player um, to work over here. So, you know, that kind of opens the door to a Korean player coming to Vancouver as well. And guess what? He said, um, you know, when I say a Korean player, of course, what I meant a Korean contenders player um, or an APAC contenders player. But ultimately, he sang coming up, you know, is a Korean player, was playing in San Francisco. But hey, you know, I'm sure he'll probably be playing on ping for a while, at least if he does come up to Vancouver at all. Uh, but in any case, a shocking turn of events for both the San Francisco Shock and the Vancouver Titans, I think. Um, so very curious to see what happens there. Now, that's all the roster changes we have, but of course, we do have two more things to do. And one of those is preview the games that are upcoming, and of course, number two is our pickums. So, I think we better get on in there. Now arriving at Ilios. All right, so we're going to start on the pickums page here and we'll just run through the different days of matches here. Of course, one thing I want to highlight, I am logged into my pickums and of course I would encourage you to go place your picks now if you haven't already. If you are doing it now after hearing this, there's a good chance you have missed out on your crystal ball picks. Of course, I'm currently trying to do them and uh, it appears as though I cannot do the crystal ball picks either. So it looks like I may have missed out on that. So whoopity do there goes my crystal ball uh and my likely my entire summer stage out the window um hopefully it just hasn't unlocked yet but i have a feeling it is now in fact the opposite and it is locked so great i don't get to pick i would have previously picked the atlanta rain and the houston outlaws in the western region of course and then oh man the east gets really hard to pick i don't even know who i'd pick there right now i'd have to look into it but i'm not going to because it seems like i can't even make a choice so Let's look at this week's games. So, this week, of course, matches start on July 13th by the time you're listening to this, that is today, and run through July 16th. So, in the West, things start off with the Florida Mayhem taking on the Houston Outlaws on Thursday, July 13th at 1 p.m. I am going to give this to Houston. I'm going to give it a 3-2. I think uh, these teams 
are coming out hot, 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 you know? Uh, then, of course, we have the Atlanta Rain playing the London Spitfire. I think Atlanta is going to come out and dominate the Rain 3, or sorry, dominate the Spitfire 3 0. Then the San Francisco Shock come out and take on the Los Angeles Gladiators. This should be an interesting one. Uh, like I was talking about before, we're seeing a new flavor or a new version of the San Francisco Shock. Um, to me, I personally am going to place my money on the Los Angeles Gladiators. I feel a little like you have to go with what you know already. And the big red flag for the Shock, obviously, is it's a largely rebuilt team, but also the fact that I don't think they've played together nearly as much as the Gladiators. The Gladiators, we know, um, the only major roster change they've had is, of course, Dante leaving the tank roll and Marv one Marvel coming in. Um, so I think we have to go with the Gladiators, and I'm giving that a 3-1 for the Glads. Then we move on to Friday, July 14th in the Western region, where the New York Excelsior take on the Las Vegas Eternal. And I'm going to give it to New York 3-0 here. 3-0? Yeah, let's go 3-0. I just, I just don't feel super great about Vegas, even though they've had a number of changes as well. Whereas, as I mentioned before, the New York Excelsior we knew uh, was kind of playing spoiler to a lot of teams. So I think they'll still come out on top here. Then the Gladiators take on the Valiant. Uh, Valiant, of course, one of the teams that did not make any changes, to my knowledge, over this uh, break. So I'm going to go 3-0 for the Gladiators. Then the San Francisco Shock take on the Washington Justice. And if you'll allow me a moment to quickly pull up the current standings of the Overwatch League, I want to see where Washington ended. Washington landed 5-3. and three. Meanwhile, the Shock were, of course, abysmal with 3-5. and five really interesting i'm gonna have to give it to the washington justice because again we don't know what the shock are going to look like we don't know how much work they've done over this break and also they have you know made a number of changes so i have to assume it's going to take them a little bit of time we do of course know that washington made a change or two as well um i believe uh, uh fd god left the main support role and they brought in dong hoon um other than that, though, I think it's mostly the same. Uh, I think it is the same outside of that change, so I'm giving it to the Justice 3-1. Now, those, of course, are your Friday games. That is 1 p.m., 2.30 p.m., and then 4 p.m. Moving on to Saturday, July 15th, we start things off at 1 p.m. with a Battle of Canada. That's right, the Syrup Showdown. It is the Toronto Defiant against the Vancouver Titans. Now, this is a bit of a question mark because, of course, both these teams, although I wouldn't say both teams have a largely altered core i would say the toronto defiant definitely does of course with uh spectra coming in on flex dps and then uh who else was it opener coming in on main support um that is more of a change than i think uh he sang coming in on flex dps for the vancouver titans um the interesting thing on Ready Set Pwn was uh, they kind of hypothesized, okay, if this were pre-Hesang announcement and Aspire's still on the team, they probably would have given Vancouver the edge here. But given Hesang coming in and then given uh, Toronto Defiant having, uh, you know, both Spectra and Opener coming in, they're giving it to Toronto. I think I have to agree with them. I could see it being 3-2. I'm going to give it 3-1 for Toronto Defiant. 2.30 p.m., the Atlanta Rain take on the Washington Justice, and I'm giving it to Atlanta 3-0. Then the Boston Uprising take on the Houston Outlaws. This is an interesting one, of course. Uh, we know that Boston actually didn't make any changes in this uh, midseason break. We also know that Houston didn't make any changes, but we also know the performance that Houston had uh, in the midseason Madness tournament and, of course, the first half of the season. So I am giving this 
to the Houston Outlaws 3-2. I think that that actually, yes, puts Houston with two wins this weekend and two tough wins too to start things off. A win over Florida and a win over Boston. So then at 5.30 p.m. on Saturday, July 15th, of course, the London Spitfire take on the New York Excelsior. I'm giving this to New York. I'm going to give London the benefit of the doubt here. 3-2. No, I'm dropping it 3-1. I'm saying New York 3-1. Then Sunday, July 16th, at 1 p.m., the Florida Mayhem take on the Vancouver Titans. I'm giving it to Florida. I'll give Vancouver a map. I'll say it's 3-1. 2.30 p.m., the Boston Uprising are going to 3-0, the Las Vegas Eternal. And at 4 p.m., the Toronto Defiant are going to 3-1, the Los Angeles Valiant. That's a bit of a tough one. I don't know about that. I don't know how comfortable I feel with that, but I'm hopeful. Then, of course, we move to the Eastern Region. Starting on Friday, July 14th, no Thursday matches for them. 2 a.m. Mountain Time, we have the Guangzhou Charge taking on O2 Blast. Um, This is mostly going to be a crapshoot for me, I have to admit. Uh, Let me switch over to the Eastern Region so that I can see what exactly things look like here. Okay, so let's see here. I've got the tournament up from the summer showdown or whatever you want to call it and let's see the first match we have is the guangzhou charge against o2 blast so oh my gosh this is this is interesting that's right only the two teams made it into the into the overall bracket this is this is such a such a confusing mess of of teams and everything um hmm hmm very very interesting I'm going to say that I'm just sorting through the website here, trying to figure things out. It's such a such a strange thing they've done here with these contenders teams coming in and everything. And you can't actually just see a straight-up season ranking for the Eastern region, which is what's throwing me off right now. I can look at the knockout brackets from previous. But in any case, I'm giving it to Guangzhou. I'm going to say 3-1. Three, three, the Hangzhou Spark then take on the Soul Infernal. Um, will Hangzhou have their stuff sorted out here? Oh, that's tough. I'm going to stick with Hangzhou, even though they didn't super impress this past uh, past first half of the season. I'm giving it to them 3-2. The Soul Dynasty are then going to win against the Shanghai Dragons 3-1. Although Shanghai... Oh, that's right. Shanghai brought in Fate on the tank roll. Shanghai could be looking for a come up here. We could see a new Shanghai. And of course, Seoul, uh, I believe, dropped a few players, actually. Um, they dropped Profit, if I'm not mistaken. And I actually don't see Profit on their roster list either. I'm going to look this up real quick. Seoul Dynasty roster. Uh, let's go to Liquipedia. And let's see who they currently have listed. They have Void on tank, Lee Soo-min on support, Krillin on support. Belarosa on tank and Easy Han on DPS. Oh, Profit. I think I vaguely remember Profit did announce perhaps retirement and then Profit was dropped. So they have a bit of an incomplete roster here, if I'm not mistaken. Two tanks, two supports, and one DPS. So that's really interesting. I don't know what's gonna happen there. Very, very interesting. Okay, um, I'm gonna flip it. I'm gonna give it to Shanghai. I'm gonna say this is what Shanghai needed. They've now got uh, Fate on the tank roll. They've got Hisu on hitscan, who we know is awesome. They've got Viper on flex DPS. I'm not too sure about him. But then Gangnam Jin and Iris and Bebebe. Or sorry, Bebebe. Bebe. I'm giving it to Shanghai. 3 
3-1, mostly because I don't know what Seoul's roster looks like. Next up, on Saturday, July 15th, we have the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Guangzhou Charge. I'm giving it to uh, Hangzhou. I'm just going to call Hangzhou my Eastern team for now and give it to them 3-1. The Dallas View will then take on Poker Face, and I'm going to give it to Dallas 3-2, let's say. Seoul Dynasty then take on Pantera, and I'm giving it to Pantera because, again, I don't know what Seoul's roster looks like. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, you know, perhaps I could check their Twitter or something, but I'm not going to. Shanghai then plays Dreamers, and I'm giving it another one to Shanghai, 3-1. Starting the stage right for them. We then move to Sunday, July 16th, where the Dallas Fuel take on O2 Blast. And I'm going to say O2 takes it, 3-2. Then at 3.30 a.m. Mountain Time, Soul Infernal are going to beat Poker Face, 3-1. And then, of course, at 5 a.m., the Dreamers take on Pantera. And I'm going to give it to Dreamers 3-2. I really have no idea about that. Uh, unfortunately, it's funny because I was, I'm was i a big fan of the fact that they brought these contenders teams into the fold uh, in the Eastern region. But I think it has largely introduced an element of confusion for, and unknown for most teams, uh, for most viewers, um, you know, of, of the league and everything like that. I do think that in the past, I was able to maintain at least some coherent thought and an understanding of what was going on in the east but now it feels like i just have no idea there's there's these unknown teams that i know nothing about um whereas at least once upon a time i was able to follow the seoul dynasty and the shanghai dragons and these eastern teams and now i'm just scratching my head a lot of the time so in any case there you have it that's my pickums that's all set and of course that means that we have now gone over the schedule as well so matches of the week any any big highlights we i i would suggest you catch of course um you know our opening match on thursday july 13th at 1 p.m mountain time the florida mayhem against the houston outlaws is sure to be a good one both those teams looking to uh, prove their dominance over the rest of the league um Looking on through some other matches here, we've got our first Battle of Canada on Saturday, July 15th at 1 p.m. Mountain Time with the Toronto Defiant taking on the Vancouver Titans. As a Canadian, of course, that's an exciting one. Um, I hope it is an exciting match. Really, it would have been very exciting to see the Vancouver Titans roster that started the season take on the Toronto Defiant roster that started the season because because of all the struggles we know uh, the Toronto Defiant had, because of the uh, good fortune that the Vancouver Titans had, it could have been a really big matchup. I feel a little bit like this midseason has blown up so many things, and not just for Toronto and Vancouver, but so many things have just been blown up and shaken up and changed dramatically that it's a little less exciting. You know, it feels a little bit more like I don't really know these teams as well as I should halfway through the season. So that's kind of a bummer, but regardless, I'll be catching this one for sure. Uh, let's see, other matches to check out. Um, 4 p.m. on Saturday, July 15th, of course, the Boston Uprising against the Houston Outlaws. Again, two teams looking to assert their dominance and, uh, you know, claim those top few spots in the league. Um, and then Sunday, any big matches on Sunday? I don't really see any huge matches on Sunday. Um, of course, the one thing that I would shout out in the Eastern region is I'm looking forward to the Shanghai Dragons. I'm looking forward to hearing um, and seeing a little bit more about how they're able to to uh, perform with, no offense to Fleta, an actual tank on the tank roll, right? I'm hopeful that fate will uh, will change their fates because if you could change your fate, would ya? That was a terrible accent. But in any case, I'm excited to see them. And of course, with all of that said, that takes us right into the end of the show. So let's close things out here. 
traveling to Horizon Luna Colony. Well, if you stuck with us this far, thank you so much for listening to episode 116 of One Man Watchpoint. Of course, the Overwatch League is back in action this weekend, so make sure you check it out. And of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, grab your Battle Pass tier skips uh, over by over on Twitch by connecting your Battle.net account with your Twitch account. Um, check out the Summer Games event, get some of those limited time mode matches in, you know, earn some Summer Games stuff, and just have fun. And of course check out the upcoming uh or or the invasion uh ahead with the null sector ships coming onto some of these uh popular maps that we always enjoy thanks again for listening to episode 116 of one man watchpoint this is of course an overwatch podcast you can catch me at sir drjm at sir dr jm on all socials over on threads and over on twitter um shoot me a message over there on either of those or whatever and I'll bring it to the show. You can also, of course, follow One Man Watchpoint at One Man Watchpoint on Threads, where I have finally made a company, well, company air quotes, a podcast account just for the podcast. So check me out over there and follow me on all your favorite platforms. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week with some more Overwatch action. Victory!